0: Yeah, that, I I don't even know what I would say. There's no there's no six five man at the center of Pearl Harbor for us to lust after. So how could we make a joke about it?
1: Welcome to All My Friends who Are English Majors, the podcast where I, a business major, make my friends. Almost all English majors read popular fiction with me. It is Akator Ac- oh no. It is Acatar Month. Um, and Jess is back by popular demand. Um, to and talk about the Court of Thorns and Roses books with me. Hi, Jess. Hi. By popular demand, do you mean that
0: I wanted to come back? <laughs>
1: Yes, I also mean that, like, man, someone needed to be willing to dive in, <laughs> and there's there's a lot to unpack in these,
0: yeah, and i I really have dived in I have
1: yeah dove in it we have a full four page singles based outline, just on the second book. We have decided to change the format a little bit. We're not going to do a two-minute summary. We're going to break the book into thirds so that we can kind of actually sort through all the plot that happens. If you are, like, familiar with Sarah J. Moss's writing, you know that she is really packing the plot in there. It is thick with plot. The girth of plot. It's crazy. (laughs) The enormous throbbing plot goes kind of nuts (laughs) in this book.
0: Yes, yes. And that is true. So I'm going to read the back of the book, and then we can just get right to it. No time to waste. So it says, Masterful storytelling from number one New New York Times bestselling author Sarah J. Moss brings her sexy, action-packed series to new heights. Feyre has undergone more trials than one human woman can carry in her heart. Though she has now been granted the powers and lifespan of the High Fey, she is haunted by her time under the mountain and the terrible deeds she performed to save the lives of Tamlin and his people. As her marriage to Tamlin approaches, Feyre's hollowness and nightmares consume her. She finds herself split into two different people, one who upholds her bargain with Rhysand, the High Lord of the Feared Night Court, and the one who lives out her life in the Spring Court with Tamlin. While Thera navigates the dark web of politics, passion, and dazzling power, a greater evil looms. She might just be the key to stopping it, but only if she can harness her harrowing gifts, heal her fractured soul, and decide how she wishes to shape her future, and the future of a world in turmoil.
1: That isn't a Netflix trailer. <laughs> like, I feel like it, she does a good job of focusing on the, like, emotional growth aspects that are, like, a big part of the plot in this book, but she doesn't I think it's interesting that, like, she doesn't focus on, like, a romantic love triangle. Like, she's like, yeah, Tamlin and Rhysander there, but, like, she's not like, and how will fair choose between <laughs> these two men? She yeah. is like, this girl is traumatized, and she has to grow out of that before mm-hmm. anything else can happen. And, like, yeah. that's true. It is true. <laughs>
0: I find it funny that the phrase, the dark web, is on it, though. The dark web of politics, passion, and dazzling power. That, I mean, true, but you could also describe the television series Scandal the same way.
1: I think it's interesting to, like, call it a dark web of politics, because I do think we think of a dark web of politics as, like, Washington and like mm. that sort of like uh under the table dealing and bribery and like that sort of thing in comparison to like a regency style dark web of politics, which is a lot more like posturing and aristocracy and like I don't know. It doesn't evoke- animus. Yeah, it doesn't evoke the same Thing.
0: Yeah, but I do think that it is true. I wish there was even more politics in this dark web and less passion. But you know, that's just me.
1: <laughs> yeah, I there is more politics in the third books. So you have that to look forward to. Nice, and I will say, I know you said you're out on reading a Court of Silver Flames, which so fair. There is more politics there as well. But also, it somehow happens that all the politics in all of these books, like, involve the women dressing like sex objects and acting like sex objects. Hmm. A little bit. Like, it's like, we trust women in the night court, but when we go to the other courts, like, they have to prove that our women are hot and sexy and can be kind of smart and like... It kind of doesn't hit, I think, the way that Sarah J. Moss wants it to. Sometimes,
0: yeah, it seems like it's her version of like the fake dating trope. Like when they had the, when they were trying to steal the orb from the Court of Nightmares in this book, and they like had to pretend like they were about to like fuck in the throne room or whatever. Oh, it's I very
1: was very exhibitionist.
0: Yeah, and I was like, oh, so this is like fake dating plot times a million on the throne. This is wild. So I feel like that's just like a way of kind of like getting the same things that are compelling out of a fake dating plot, which is like you're being forced into this situation, but you like kind of find that you like it or whatever. Like that is compelling, but they can do it in a different way, which it seems like there's just kind of like, like, it seems like one thing that she is very good at, Sarah J Maas, is, like, taking traditional, like, romance tropes and then, like, fantasifying them in a way yes. that they're still recognizable and, like, compelling in the same way. But they also, like, fit into the narrative. And I feel like that's one example of that.
1: Yeah, fake dating is just always fun. It's just always fun.
0: Yeah, it tricked all of us into thinking that Noah Centineo was hot.
1: It did. Yeah, that's (laughs) true. Peter Kavinsky, so hot. Noah Centineo, the kind of dude you would cringe if he came up to you at a bar. Skid mark. Is he tall? He seems tall. Is Noah Centineo tall? He seems tall. Let's see. 6'1". So, like.
0: Whatever, tall. Like, tall-ish.
1: Yeah. But not tall enough
0: that you can ignore his tweets.
1: Correct. I, mm, who is tall enough that you can ignore his tweets? <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh no! <laughs> <laughs> what what was- are you
1: about to say to me? <laughs> well. <laughs>
0: yesterday at League, I was talking to Brendan about how Osama bin Laden is 6'5", and he was like, oh, he bad, bad. (laughs) And we were just kind of talking about, like, ooh, he's 6'5". And so my first thought, I almost said it out loud, was Osama bin Laden, but then I was like, I don't feel that that would hit. You can cut this out of the podcast if you don't want. No, your
1: I, I think our long-standing joke about Osama bin Laden being 6'5. This is, this is a years-long bit.
0: Yeah, but I've been saying my Jess... boyfriend Osama bin Laden for years, and
1: people don't like it. Surprisingly enough, people don't like that joke. I just like, we weren't, like, sentient for 9-11. Like, I don't remember where I was on 9-11. I was three, four. Like, what was I doing? Playing on the playground at preschool? No, I don't remember (laughs) 9-11.
0: Like. And therefore, because we don't remember it, it wasn't that bad.
1: Mm-hmm, (laughs) mm-hmm. We should start sprinkling Pearl Harbor jokes in, too. That would be. Oh, God.
0: Yeah, I I don't even know what I would say. There's no... There's no 6'5 man at the center of Pearl Harbor for us to lust after. So how could we make a joke about it?
1: Well, and also, like, I don't know. I find it hard to joke about Hawaii because, like, damn, we're still colonizing. Mm -hmm. So, like, Mm -hmm. it's, like, not as funny to, like, make a little joke about the Iraq War when, like, it's not, it is not as funny to be to make jokes about the island that we like colonized and now are like killing slowly through tourism. Like, eh, eh Yeah. Know. That's a woke take, Tuck. I nice. have a coworker who's very, very white, but like is Hawaiian because she like grew up in Hawaii and not the like. Scare really, quotes around is Hawaiian. <laughs> I just like it's just like she really talks about it like she's like a native Hawaiian and I'm like but are you? <laughs> <laughs> like, were are you supposed to be there in the first place? So yeah, I've I, it's been on my mind a lot.
0: Yeah, um, I also I agree with you. I think that you're right. I I meant woke in a good way, not okay. in a pejorative Ron DeSantis way.
1: I'm ready to do a two minute summary over the first three minutes. Third, the first third of Akatar. Okay, go. I'm ready. Okay, so this is what we like to call the trauma third. (laughs) There, basically, like, shredded her soul, getting everyone out from under the mountain. And she is, like, living with Tamlin. They're engaged. And she's, like, a shell of herself. She is letting other people plan her wedding. She's just, like, walking around the house like a ghost. She can't paint. And Tamlin won't let her leave the grounds. But she is, like wasting away. She eats, but she throws it all up every single night because she wakes up from nightmares about the people that she had to kill under the mountain. She can't sleep if the windows are closed because she feels like she's being enclosed. Um, and she's begging Tamlin to let her out of the house. Let me come help the rebuilding efforts. Let me walk around the grounds. Let me, let me, let me, let me see the world that I'm like now a part of. And he's basically like, well, you're going to be like, my lady of the spring court, and you need to, like, be respectable, and, like, if anything bad happened to you, it would be really bad for the rebuilding efforts because, like, everyone is seeing you as a beacon of hope. And so she kind of accepts this, and then they argue about it after, oh, well, I'm skipping something very important, which is that on their wedding day, Farah is, like, screaming in her mind that she, like, needs help and doesn't want to marry Tamlin and doesn't know what to do and knows she's going to have to say no. And Tamlin is, like, waiting for her to marry him. And Rhysand shows up to call in the deal that she has to go to the night court once a week, a month, for, like, her continued existence right before they're about to get married. So he kidnaps her for a week and doesn't do anything crazy. He's like, I'm going to teach you to read. I'm gonna make sure you eat and I'm gonna like try to get you to sleep. And like she has like a fairly like a generally pretty relaxing week and then she goes home and Tamlin like loses his shit. Does she go to the night court twice before she goes there indefinitely or does she go there the one time? She goes okay and then and she goes the second time and she has another like generally pretty good week. She like meets a couple of Rhysand's friends. She, like, starts to realize that the Night Court might not be that bad, and then she goes back to the Spring Court after that time, and Tamlin wards her into the house. He, like, blocks her in with invisible walls. And when she got brought back to life, she got a little bit of each of the High Lord's magic. As we find out through the book, she has, like, magic from each of the Seven Courts of Prithian, and she, like, blows up the house with her magic, because she's freaking out so much. And Rhysand's first lieutenant, second lieutenant, um, Morgon, just walks into the house, asks her if she wants to leave, and then takes her to the night court. And then she's in the night court indefinitely, and that's the end of like the first act of the book. (laughs) Did I miss anything?
0: I think that it's good. Um, one thing oh well you didn't I don't think you missed anything. I think you did a good job. But the first thing that I thought of to say about this is that I feel like you can tell whether someone's going to end up good or bad in these books if when they give, (laughs) when they give Feyre clothes to wear, if she likes the clothes, then they're good. And if she doesn't like the clothes, they're bad.
1: (laughs) That's honestly a pretty good take. That's kind of like, does this person like care enough about me to notice whether or not I'm comfortable? Yeah,
0: and like do they have drip? Cuz like the Night Court has drip. And when she's about to get married, how do you pronounce the high priestess's name? Eanth?
1: I've been saying Eanthy.
0: Eanthy. Okay, well, it could be anything. It's a <laughs> crazy name. It's like a keyboard smash of a name. But she is this high priestess who's like helping play in the wedding and she's like this like young, beautiful um courtesan and she, we find out later, we do not fuck with her, but initially she's like kind of Farah's only friend when she's at the spring court and she's planning her wedding. And then Eanthi, e- I'm just going to use your pronunciation, she picks out her wedding dress and it's this like monstrosity of tulle and silk and all these fabrics that Farah does not like. And are kind of like symbolic of how being the lady of the spring court basically just means that you're like planning parties and looking pretty and being ornamental rather than functional, which is what she wants to be. And then when she goes to the night court, even before she's like decided that she wants to be there forever and she doesn't want to be with Tamlin anymore, the clothes that she's given at the night court are these like really like well tailored, perfectly fitting, um, like silk pajamas type clothes and it's you can just tell by like the way that she describes everything about the night court that it's going to become her place that she like wants to be but i felt like the clothes were like a really really stark example of that i I immediately immediately after she described her wedding dress i was like oh she's not gonna marry him and this priestess is not good because Sarah J Maas is just, like, so – I don't want to say, like, simplistic, because there is a lot going on, and I did like this book. That's kind of, like, an important thing to note. I did like this book, but you can tell there's certain things that she, like – if you are supposed to like a character, they won't – they would never put her in tool.
1: <laughs> yeah. I will say, I think another way that you can tell we're not supposed to like the priestess is, like, Lucian is Tamlin's second in command, and he is, like, an emissary between the courts, which means he's, like, very good at playing the political games, and, like, he does not want to be near this bitch. Yeah. Like, and I think, I think that is very telling. We find out later on that she is, like, has been, like, going out of her way to try to make herself, like, a good match so that she can use, like, the power of her, like, partner to her advantage and essentially, like, sexually harassed Reese was also, we can assume, like, sexually harassing Lucien as well and really, really was a woman who, like, did not want to hear no from anyone for any reason, like, sexually or otherwise. Yeah, and so, like, I think, like, while it's not particularly subtle, like, it is like a good signal and one that, like, especially when you're reading a book like written by a woman who has like made it very clear that, like, I mm, has she made it clear that consent matters. I'm not sure, but she has made it clear that, like. <laughs> She has made it clear that, like, choices matter, and for someone yeah. who, like, has not had a lot of choice in their life, which, like, Lucian has not, for him to, like, make a legitimate a legitimate choice, even though it, like, made Tamlin unhappy for Lucian to be making Anthea unhappy, like, he was like, no, I'm good. Like, I'm yeah. still going to, like, draw this line here and be like, no, 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 don't come near me.
0: Yeah. That is a good point. So, do we want to talk about the uh, Tamlin situation here?
1: Yes. Now is a good time to talk about the fact that like half the people on Instagram refer to him as tampon <laughs> or tamtrum because yeah. this dude is not liked. He's bad. He, he fair kind of faira. Kind of, which crazy of her to put like fairy as the name of the main character of these three books? Didn't I say that last time?
0: I think I said that last time. I think that's crazy.
1: Yeah, I said like if you're gonna have
0: like a human character going into a fairy world, and then her name is basically fairy, like why did you do that? (laughs) Why did you do
1: that? Didn't you Um, know people are gonna make
0: a podcast about your book, and they're gonna be confused?
1: Um, but basically, yes, I agree. I I saw a video on Instagram. I'm back on Instagram, guys, and I don't really want to delete it. I'm having a good time being back on Bookstagram. I've missed it. I'm getting all the recommendations. I'll be on there for, like, a month. I'll get my big, long list of recommendations, and then I'll just, like, disappear for another six months. But I saw a video that was like, oh my god, I'm recommending this fanfic about, like, it is basically, it's very porny, and there's a lot of people involved. And I was like, girl, you cannot be recommending this on Instagram. Like, this is <laughs> to be sent over Tumblr where no one knows who you are. You're gonna put a video of yourself on the internet? Recommending? I don't know what you call, it. Is it, is anything beyond a threesome an orgy? Yeah. Like, okay, you're gonna put, you're gonna recommend orgy fanfic to the the good people of Instagram?
0: They were doing that on the Akatar Reddit too. I've been um really sorting through the Akatar Reddit, making my journey through there. I think Tuck, you have said before that you think that going on Reddit is men's work, and I think that you're wrong about that because I am on Reddit.com a lot.
1: <laughs> Tumblr is women's work. Reddit is men's work. Well. I beg to differ. But You're being so brave. <laughs> but
0: so brave. on Avatar Reddit, they also are recommending like Orgy Fanfic with like all the High Lords and stuff. And I'm like Oh
1: my god, all seven?
0: <laughs> I I don't know because I did not click. But <laughs> that was like I believe that the title of the post was just like High Lord Orgy Fanfic emojis for like Lots of like the the like panting hot emoji and the like sparkle emoji and I was like I I am steering clear of that. That is not on the path of Christ.
1: <laughs> no, that is not on the path of Christ. Okay, I feel like we should get into oh we we literally just said tampon and tamptrum and then got lost. Um
0: he's very controlling.
1: He's very controlling, like, won't let her out of the house, is really like, no, 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 I'm doing this to protect you. When won't tell her anything. When he gives her a box of paints and she basically, like, I don't remember what she says, but she essentially refuses it because she, like, can't bring herself to paint. He blows up his office and she, like, protects herself with the magic of one of the High Lords, maybe of the Dawn Court. And she, like, makes herself a little wind force field. And instead of being like, we need to get you to, like, learn to use these powers, he's essentially like, well, it will protect you better if no one finds out you have these, so just don't use them. (laughs) He's
0: also just like so dumb.
1: (laughs) Well, and later in the book, after she's like really started to unpack her trauma, at one point she's like, How dare he try to fuck me in Amarantha's court? Like, he make eye contact with me for months while I put my body and my soul on the line for every person in fairy and in the in the fairy lands, and then like the first thing you do when you get half a second alone with me is try to get your dick wet? Yeah.
0: I was so glad that she was mad about that. I was like, thank you so much for saying that. And you should say it and you should say it again because that is fucking crazy. And I thought, and in the last episode, I talked about how I was like, they're, the only reason why they would have ever done that is so that Reese could like intervene or whatever. But now that I know that like Tamlin we Like, it's canon that Tamlin is a bad boyfriend. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Then that makes more sense. Because he really does seem... Like, in a lot of ways, he kind of is the Beast. Because he, like, just is never thinking very hard. Like, Reese, by contrast, is always, like, plotting and scheming in Amarantha's Court. And, like, trying to do whatever he can to, like, put himself in a position of agency. So, like... He becomes Amarantha's whore so that he, like, has enough trust from her that he can do the things he needs to do to, like, protect the night court and to, like, stay alive and, like, all of these things. And he's kind of, like, scheming against her the whole time and, like, helping Feyre to break the curse. Like, she would not have been able to break it without him. They kind of, like, broke it together as a team And Tamlin, by contrast, was literally just sitting there, like, not looking at her, not doing anything. And then the one action that he takes is to try to fuck her in the court, which is insane. Very, very grateful that SJM was like, that's actually ridiculous. And there's so much more that he could have done. Like, in the position that he was in, being like the object of Amarantha's affections and like really like having a lot of sort of like sway over things he could have done something like what Reese did to kind of like trick her or convince her of something or like just like give himself a little bit more power but like all he has is his like brute power like all he has is magic he doesn't have any like self like his his self besides his magic just like is not very powerful
1: i feel like well and it's a little bit of a heavy-handed metaphor for him to like be so out of control of his the the abusive part of his personality that he like can't keep the beast within yeah but like i think that generally J. moss is actually pretty like gentle with the way that she writes about abuse in this book Like, it's not, it's not Colleen Hoover literally writing the words, it ends with us in her (laughs) book about ending the cycle of abuse. But, like, she really kind of, like, goes through how this could happen, which is, like, Tamlin is the first person to ever show her care. So, of course, she thinks he loves her. And then when he is being overprotective, she originally is, like, well at least like someone cares enough about me to try to protect me and care about my safety and then when she leaves tamlin because he locks her in the house she then spends almost an entire third of the book being like how could i be like so flighty with my affection like how could like how can i feel this attraction to reese when like i am like, I was supposed to get married. Like, yeah. how ca- what is wrong with me? And, like, I think right. internalizing abuse being your fault is, like, not, not applicable to a lot of people who have been in yeah. abusive relationships. So, like, it's really interesting that, like, the first book is just, like hitting you with a sledgehammer with, like, the plot and the love and the writing. And then book two is kind of like, okay, well, we'll do a little bit of hammering, but, like, we're still – we're going to, like, talk about this important topic in a way that, like, is accessible and, like, generally I think a pretty positive way to, like, talk about a tough topic. Yeah. Maybe positive is wrong. Nuanced?
0: Yeah. I thought that there there was a good amount of nuance to the the way that she, specifically what like what you said the way that she reacts to herself like the way that it takes her a long time to accept that she like did have the right to leave when he like locked her up and shut her out of like everything that would have made her heal um and like When she she has several points where she like really works through that frustration when she's like training with Cassian and she's like hitting and like working through it like physically and as she gets stronger and as she like gets to a place of more like agency when she meets everybody else in the night court and starts to like feel like she has a purpose again. Then she starts to have these realizations that I at least as a reader was like, yes, yes. Thank God that you know that. I thought I was, like, the only one who saw that. Not the only one, obviously. But, like, I didn't think that she would, like, directly admit that. Because in the previous book, there were a lot of things where I was like, that is bad. And then it was not acknowledged. But in this book, there were still some things that I was like, "Mm, mm, I don't know about that. That aren't acknowledged, but a lot of the stuff that I had that reaction to was considered to be bad, and that made me a lot more invested and was part of why I liked this book so much more, was, like, I didn't feel like my, like, instincts about what would be, what would make sense were being violated so much, so I was, like, more with it, and I was, like, actually rooting for her, whereas in the previous book I was kind of like, huh.
1: (laughs) huh yeah I do wish that and I think I wish this for the whole book not just the first third I wish there was a little more like they are always being like well you have a fey body and a human soul okay let's unpack that then she's 21 (laughs) she's 20 in this book she falls in love with like two different 500 year olds (laughs) and they keep being like oh, my God, we're going to have so much life together, essentially. But also, like, okay, maybe we should unpack the fact that, like, the reason she's reacting to the things like she is is because she's, like, 20. Yeah. Like, no one really ever reacts to trauma well, but, like, you certainly don't react to trauma well when you are, like, 20 fucking years old, have just been granted eternal life, and, (laughs) like, or, I don't know. I wish that they would talk... and I think maybe that's just something you have to suspend disbelief on because if you poke too hard specifically at the, the age difference, life difference, life, life experience bubble, it, it blows up the whole romance. Yeah. Cause you're like, is this man a pedophile? Like, just because he looks like he's 25, like, yeah. is this a problem?
0: Yeah. Uh, I think that we do kind of have to like, unfortunately like suspend the disbelief on that because like if in this world fairies are immortal then it doesn't really matter like how much older he is than her like i was thinking like Does it have to be 500? I was kind of, like, trying to process through it, it because 500 is a fucking lot. Like, that's so much. But, like, is it that much better if it had only been 100? Like, what if it had been 50? What if it had been... You know what I mean? Like, it just kind of messes up the whole plot, because you also have, like, the war, which she wasn't around for, and, like, Amaranthas Court having this, like, long thing. It, It just kind of, like, screws with it, I feel like. And also... I wish that – I thought it was kind of strange how they didn't have, like, a longer adolescence. Like, when they talk about Moore's backstory, which we'll get into more later, but, like, when they talk about Moore's backstory, they talk about how she, like, was engaged when she was 17 and had, like – she, like, went off and spoiled her virginity before she got married because she didn't want to get married to the person at 17. And it basically seems – like, the fae have, like, the same, like, maturation process as humans up until, like, 25 or something, and then they just stop.
1: Twilight Which... core. What? Twilight core.
0: Yeah, Genesme exactly.
1: core. And so, it,
0: but it makes me wonder whether, like, they go through more, like, stages of- development as far as like what you find important because like even if let's say if you and I both just like stopped physically aging right here right now would we like if we were turning to high fe, would we like continue to have the same like mindset towards things and approach to things and everything like that and like our outer like appearance and our like inner self are kind of like matching or would we be it doesn't seem clear to me like in this world how it works whether you like stay looking physically like 25 but then in your mind you like have done all those like maturing things like when you're 50 you care about different things than when you're 25 like if you're a human does that happen if you live for 500 years, is that, like, a longer process? Or do you just kind of get, like, stuck in amber? Because if you get stuck in amber, then I think it doesn't really matter. But it doesn't seem like it's clear. You know? Yeah.
1: That makes sense. I do think that they do talk a little bit about, like, the frivolity of the the fae people. Like, they, like, really do just, like, have a million holidays and, like, fuck around. But they yeah. also, like fight wars and politic and like so like stuff is happening but stuff is not happening, I think is kind of the Yeah. Kind of the vibe. Yeah. Do you uh, wanna talk about how your predictions were right on? I feel like that's <laughs> about what we need to talk to about from the first third. I kind of feel like the rest of it is in the back. Yeah.
0: The back half. So I can I can talk about the the second third, because that was kind of my predictions, so okay. <laughs> i just I just wanted to take a moment to gloat that my predictions were correct. that's just just a little gloat. I was thinking today about how much I love to make a prediction and how that is another way that I feel like I'm like similar <laughs> to a lot of the men that I know. I feel like men love to make a prediction,
1: <laughs> so Jess and I went to the same party Saturday night. And the boys decided to, now this is going to sound wrong, get into a measuring contest. (laughs) (laughs) In that, they, like, half the boys at this party went down to the basement together. And then Sam came running back up the stairs and was like, Emily, I looked at this picture and I guessed that the diagonal was 33 inches. And I was right right on the money down to the inch and we were even guessing by quarter inches and I was right and then he was like we gotta go make more guesses and then like ran back down the stairs I was like oh my god (laughs) like there's like 10 men a little bit drunk in the basement scampering around trying to guess like how like high and wide things are
0: It was so funny. It was literally like, (laughs) he
1: came up at one point and he was like,
0: we're playing measuring things as though that's a game. (laughs) And then Diego came back up and he was like, like relatively kind of drunk, I guess. And he came back up and he was like, I got like three things right. They don't know. I worked construction. I've basically been studying for this. Like he was (laughs) like, very very smug and it was so funny and then they got a scale out and they were like weighing each other and guessing how much each other weighed and that was where I drew the line I was like you have got to stop if anyone makes me get on that scale (laughs) I will commit crimes
1: all of the women in the room were like get up get the fuck away from me with that (laughs) and but Yeah, Sam came over and, like, told me the weight of one of the Smokestack guys. And it was truly, like, less than 10 pounds heavier than me. And I was like, <laughs> I don't want to fucking know that! Like, I don't I, know that!
0: Yeah, I rebuke that. I do not want it anywhere near me. And Diego yeah, was I... talking about how he's the heaviest one on Smokestack. And I was like, congratulations, babe. Proud of you. <laughs> because that is a good thing if you're a man anyway so they love to make predictions and like with my students too like sometimes it's like a specific type of man usually like a man who's like interested in sports and stuff because it like is akin to sports betting in some ways but like um if you are struggling to engage them a lot of the time all you have to do is get them to predict something and then they'll be more interested and I am the same way so I think I liked this book a lot more because I had like written down a bunch of the things I thought were going to happen. And then I was like, will they happen? Will they happen? And a lot of them did. Not like exactly, but a lot of the like general, like the broad strokes of what I thought would happen did happen. So let me tell you what happens. So I had predicted that like we were going to be focused mostly on Reese and the fulfillment of the bargain, which was for her to spend time at the night court every month. And also that the king of Highburn would be like a really big villain in this one. And both of those things are true. So after Morrigan, who is Reese's cousin and second in command or third in command, I guess, takes her to the night court, she starts to realize that the night court is, has kind of been like intentionally disguised as this like horrible place that was the inspiration for like under the mountain. And there is a court that's kind of almost like the, like the decoy court called the court of nightmares that is under a mountain that is very similar to under the mountain. And that's where like Morrigan was born. And that's where Reese's family used to live and all that stuff. But then there's another court and like a secret city. The secret city is called Valaris. And this is this like beautiful place that has been protected for like 5,000 years that Reese like used all of his power during Amarantha's reign to um control people's minds to make sure that nobody knew that it existed. And so it basically is like untouched by all of the like warfare and um like just grimness that has been in Prithian for all this time. And so there's art and culture and the people are happy and kind and welcoming. And it is just this beautiful place. And you kind of see how there's like a lot going on with like the duality of night. Like it's like both scary and also like beautiful and calming and um you kind of get the sense of that. We meet Reese's other friends, Cassian and Azriel and Amran. Cassian and Azriel are both Illyrians, which in the last podcast I saw a picture of them and I didn't know who they were because you sent me the fan art of the Bat Boys. So they have wings. They're a type of like a race of people Called Illyrians, who are like this very like warlike people. They're like Dothraki from Game of Thrones, and they have wings. And Cassian and Azriel are both warriors from this um, from this culture, and they grew up with Rhys, and they're his best friends. And Cassian is his like general, and he's this like amazing fighter who is like a lowborn bastard who like grew up in these war camps, and is just like an amazing fighter, and has a sad backstory, and we love him. And Asriel is a shadow singer, which I'm not super clear on what that is. I think maybe we'll get more into that, but there are shadows around him and he can see them and they're his friends, I guess.
1: <laughs> they're, well, he's the spy master of the night court, so he can send them away and they listen yes. and then they come talk to him.
0: Yes. So he kind of, um, he's also a great warrior as well, but he also, he's the ma, uh, the bastard of like another, Illyrian lord so like they both are kind of they don't really have a home necessarily so it's a big like chosen family vibe and then Amryn is Reese's first in command or second in command first lieutenant and she is also like Feyre someone who like has become high fey and was originally something else we don't know exactly what she is but she is this like ancient creature from like another realm who's been like turned into a high fey and she's like incredibly powerful and she drinks blood. And (laughs) that's just her deal. So this is like a chosen family. I love them. I am such a sucker for the chosen family trope. I think that it's amazing, but this all kind of like contributes to this idea that Reese is secretly really really good and everyone thinks that he's evil because he like puts up this front of being evil so that people don't fuck with him and also people don't find Valaris in his real court the court of dreams and all that stuff and so during like the middle third of the book um Thera and reese are kind of like getting closer and closer and she is slowly like kind of falling for him and they still have the bond that she that they got Um, from the first book where he heals her and he like puts the eyeball in her palm and they can like talk to each other telepathically. And so they like do a lot of that. They do a lot of telepathic flirting, but it's kind of a slow burn. And meanwhile, they're trying to thwart the King of Highburn who has stolen the cauldron. Or has the cauldron or whatever, which is this like ancient thing that kind of like the universe was built from and has all this power. And they're trying to bring back Jurian, who is an ancient human warrior from the war, so that he can help them with taking over Prithian, including the human realm. So both the human realm and Prithian, um, they're trying to take over all of that. And so he has this like scheme and they're trying to stop him. So they have to get all of these different, they have to go on so many quests to get little magic objects, like different books and orbs and stuff.
1: So Fair they go Death to the summer court. Hollows.
0: Yes. So they go to the summer court. They go to the weaver. They go to all these places. Meanwhile, they are kind of like falling in love or we later find out. Feyre is falling in love. Reese has been in love for a long time, but they're, like, getting to know each other, and she's healing, and she's training her new powers, and all of that is going on. And should I just, like, end with saying the mates thing, I guess? Yes. Yeah. So, the end of the, like, the second, third, I guess, is that they find out that, or she finds out when she caps, captures the Surreal, which is a creature that only tells the truth, that Reese is her mate capital M mate, da, da, da. which is a big deal because mates are basically like magical soulmates. And we are led to believe that they're very rare. But then Sarah J. Moss is just like, and everyone in my book, and, and
1: they have a mate, and they have a mate,
0: which is kind of silly, but whatever. It's fine. Yeah. So, um, they find out, she finds out from the serial on accident. The serial just says something like refers to Reese as her mate. And she doesn't know because this is something that, like, I guess the man knows, and then the woman, like, has to accept because of the, like, like, offering food
1: thing? Not necessarily. It, I think that it can kind of come to either person at different times. I think we're supposed to kind of have, like, a Like an acceptance of love, sort of understanding of it, or maybe that's like the fandom's understanding of it. Because I guess if you read it in the book sense, like it, like pops into place for Reese, and it also for Reese's father when he found his mate. Like,
0: yeah, like and with Lucian, like with all of them, it seems like it's like the man discovers it, and then the woman. It takes a long time for her to realize it, which is kind of odd. Anyway. So she gets really angry with him for knowing that they were mates because he knew for, a, like, a super, super long time and never told her. And, like, a couple of the people in the – like, I think Moore and Amran also knew, but Cassian and Azriel just suspected. But basically, like, other people knew and she didn't know. And so she was, like, falling for him this whole time but didn't realize that they were mates. And so she, like, feels really – um deceived by him not telling her and so she gets like super mad at him she like leaves him injured in the mud because he's just been attacked by like these hibern people or whatever and so he she like literally leaves him in the mud and then she goes (laughs) up to this cabin and she's like sulking up there and Moore comes up and talks to her a little bit and she's just like i can't believe he didn't tell me and Moore tries to like defend him and she's like i don't want to hear it No. And then she, like, does a bunch of painting in the cabin to, like, heal herself. And then Reese comes, and he's like, I'm sorry, I should have told you. And then they make up, and then they fuck
1: for so long. For, like, days and days. days. And, like, in the paint, too. Like, there's wet paint all over the cabin, and they're just, like... I mean, there have to be, like, ass prints on the dining room table.
0: Yeah, no, for sure.
1: But I feel like we should talk about the sex later. And we should dig in on the middle third of the book.
0: Yeah. So the basically the middle third ends with them realizing that they're mates and that they're like in love and soul tied and all of that stuff. And then they know that they have this like last part of their quest where they have to go to Highburn and Feyre has to like break this bell with the cauldron. So All of that kind of, that's what, this is when we really get to know Reese and get to know how he is kind of like, in a lot of ways, the opposite of Tamlin. Would you say that that is?
1: I would say that that's accurate because like, every time that like, she's like, well, can I go out into Valeris? He's literally like, you're a grown up. Why are you asking me? (laughs)
0: Like,
1: I'll go, I'll go with you if you want. Like. Yeah, let's go. I'm yeah. gonna take you on a tour. Or, like, when she is, like... So, something that happens in the first third is, like, she wakes up every night and, like, pukes her guts up from the bad dreams that she's having. And Tamlin just, like, doesn't talk to her about it. They just don't talk to each other about the fact that they're both, like, really, really struggling. Whereas, yeah. like, when Farah starts to, like, descend into the depths of despair, like through the, like, mind link that they have, Rysand will say something, like, fucking ridiculous. He will be, <laughs> like, basically, like, oh, are you thinking about my dick? And then she will get really mad at him for, like, being weird and kind of harassy, and it, like, <sighs> takes, takes her mind off the fact that she, like, killed two people in cold blood.
0: Yeah. So, like,
1: I don't know, like... We are shown over and over again that, like, Resand can, like, show care for people and is good at showing care for people and is, like, a beloved High Lord by the, like, citizens of Valeris. And it's just, like, we're really supposed to see stark differences.
0: Yes. I think. Because Tamlin also, in the first... Third, he is really committing taxation without representation through this thing called the tithe, where he just, like, makes everybody give a tithe. And then Reese is like, what? We do not have a tithe here. That's crazy. (laughs) Which is just, like, so funny, because, like, obviously you have to tax if you're going to have this, like, rich, like, I don't know how that works. But he's almost, like, a caricature of a good leader, while at the same time, like, Everybody else outside of Valeris thinks that he is this, like, horrible, cruel, cold, calculating high lord that they're all scared of.
1: Which I have beef with that. The Tithe is actually a really good example, and then I want to talk about the beef, of Farah, like, having that human soul who, like, had been starving. Mm -hmm. Where... Like, Tamlin is basically, like, to the Water Wraith, just, like, she comes, and she's like, I can't give you anything, we don't have anything, like, Amarantha sucked the rivers dry, essentially, and Tamlin's like, too bad, you have to pay your taxes, and Farrah gets so mad at him that she leaves the throne room, follows the Water Wraith home, and, like, gives her the jewelry off her body, and is like, please give this to him tomorrow. And the Water Wraith is basically like, we won't forget this. Because they're in, like, Prithian, there's no such thing as a gift freely given, essentially. Mm -hmm. And then in Part 2, something that happens in Part 2 is Farah is, like, finding out more about her magic. And they go to the Summer Court because they're trying to collect all their little items. And they figure out where the item they're looking for is and go. And then they get, like, trapped in a magical chamber that's, like, filling with water. And they manage to break out, but they're, like, still drowning. And the water wraiths, because all water is connected, realize what's happening and they save her. And essentially, like, a debt is fulfilled. And, like, perhaps they came fast enough to save her, partially because it was a gift freely given. Like, That's probably actually a pretty good example of how her humanity shines through. Yeah, because, like,
0: people keep saying, I can't believe that you gave a gift to a water wraith. That's crazy, because, like, <laughs> like, there are a bunch of people who say that. Like, even, like, Amryn says that, and Amryn's not even Fe. Like, she's sub- something else, but she's still, like, that, like, only a human would do that, I think, is what she says, which is very true. And it does save her. So I thought that that was kind of a cool thing. But let me say something about Reese, and then we can also talk a little bit about, like, the stuff we have above that. But Reese, so he, it's like revealed that he's doing all of this, like, he's making all this effort to convince everyone that he's bad so that they fear him and so that they don't, like, try to get into the night court and, like, fuck things up. But I think, that there this is done a little too much because I feel like sure there's like an aspect of like trying to make yourself more terrifying. Like it's common knowledge that he's the most powerful high Lord in Prithian and like the most powerful that it's one that has ever existed. And so I feel like the, he doesn't really need to like be as cruel as he like shows himself to be to others mm-hmm. for him to be like feared and respected. Um, Although it does seem from the book like he, like, is pretty, like, good at assessing what he needs to do in order to, like, protect everything. But I feel like it's, like, done a little bit too much because it makes people hate him. Like, it makes all of the other High Lords hate him and, like, he has zero allies and I feel like... Everything is done, and this is, like, part of, like, Fey lore, I guess, but, like, everything is done in a, like, very personal way, politically. Like, it's all personal animus. It's all, you betrayed me, so I'm gonna, like, come kill your family. Like, it's all very, very personal, and so, like, him being, like, viscerally hated by a lot of the other high lords and, like, other high Fey, I think probably ultimately causes problems for him because no one ever trusts him and therefore he like never can kind of like work with anyone and even when Tarkin who's the the king of or he's the high lord of summer try like wants to be allies and is like I don't really believe that Resend is as bad as people think he is they end up kind of like turning on him so I don't think that's good and I also think like this is probably my most strongly held belief about this book I think that it is a little bit dangerous for the fan base of this book, like 15-year-old girls, to read about this, like, perfect partner. And Reese is written, like, very much like the perfect partner, at least in this book. He's, like, only kind to, like, four people – And plus, like, the city. But, like, we only know, like, four people that he's, like, actually nice to. And, like, every, like, mean, like, cruel thing that he has done in the first, like, 500 pages of us knowing him, he has, like, an explanation for why he was, like, secretly doing it out of, like, positive motivations. And so it's, like, teaching young people that, like, it's okay and desirable to have a Boyfriend who like always has an explanation for why he was such a dick to everybody else. Like, he literally, in the first book, like sends Tamlin a head on a spike. And it's like, from me, Reese, Hart, like, not literally, but like, you know what I mean. And he just like, yeah, he's like. Extremely meant to be seen as a villain, and he continues to act that way. Like, when they go to the Court of Nightmares, like, he's still acting that way, and Farah, like, sees that, but she's like, that's not the real him. And I just don't think that there are many situations in the lives of, like, the impressionable young readers of this, where there will ever be a guy who actually is good, who's acting shitty. In the- way and i do think that there's like a certain vulnerability to like romanticizing he's only nice to me or like he does that for a good reason he's super misunderstood he like explains it to me and he like loves me i just think that that is like incredibly toxic and i do like the character of reese like i within the world but i feel like that is really kind of like irresponsible
1: Yeah, I think, I agree with you. I think that that is kind of my beef with, well, here's my question. And it has to do with a couple of different things. I texted you because you were trying to figure out if your dislike for Tamlin was irrational. And I was like, no, like, women are really good at spotting cycles of abuse. And you texted back, like, Yeah, but we're also good at, like, being, like, well, maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. Like, maybe I just dislike him for no reason. And so the thing that's surprising to me about a lot of popular fiction, whether or not it's, like, a silly little rom-com where the man is, like, being really controlling, like, I'm reading a rom-com right now where this guy is, she, like, stubs her toe, she, like, sprains her toe, and he is, like, a dick to her for, like, trying to, like, push through it and gets, like, legitimately angry at her for, like, not being willing to take rest. Okay, like, they've kissed, like, one time and she's known him for, like, a week. Yeah. Like, where do you get (laughs) off being controlling like that? And I'm just really... I feel like I should be worried about women. (laughs) When there's, like, this many of them who are so attracted to these characters who are controlling and like honestly like yes Tamlin isolated her but frankly like Rhysand isolates her as well he surrounds her with people who love him and are extremely loyal to him like I don't know like what what does this say about women and and girls who are reading who like the books that become the most popular have love interests like like do men in the real world show so little care for their romantic partners that like we look at people who are controlling as caring like mm-hmm. is that what's happening
0: Yeah I feel like the like, they, like- power, like, the, like, exaggerated power. You talked about last time, like, how there's something like, sexy to a certain type of reader about, like, the elevated humanity, the, like, superhumanness of, like, the beasts or whatever. And I feel like that's also true of the, like, magical power. Like, every like, male in this whole thing is not just like kind of strong or like kind of powerful or kind of smart. It's like the most strong, the most powerful, like the most of everything and everything is like so exaggerated that it also makes dynamics like being controlling so exaggerated. Cause like, if you have so much power at your disposal, then it's kind of hard not to use it. You know, like if you have the ability to like with just like, a slight switch in your mind, like control people's brains the way that Reese does. It's like that much writing that much power into your novels makes it so that it's like impossible to, I don't know, like have healthy relationship dynamics, I think. And maybe I don't know. I always feel like, like, what if I'm just like thinking about this too hard or like doing the thing that people on the internet do a lot of the time where they like apply a really like rigid morality to like every story thinking that like the depiction of anything in a story is like the endorsement of that thing. Like, I won't be watching Oppenheimer because I think the bomb is bad as though the movie Oppenheimer does not also like indicate to you (laughs) that they think that the bomb is bad. Like, I saw this TikTok recently that was like, um, the caption on it was like how a lot of people on the internet wanted Oppenheimer to sound and it was like we're about to build this bomb which is bad a bomb which I think is bad that we are going to drop which by the way is morally wrong <laughs> like, like it's difficult for us a lot of the time to see a depiction of something and not think it's an endorsement of that thing And I don't want to do that here, but I also feel like with, like, romance books specifically, people get so, like, emotionally invested in them and, like, have their, like, little book boyfriends that even if you are trying to, like, make a point that a, like, man who has this much power almost can't help but be controlling, it doesn't really hit because the romance is like written so in en- like engrossingly like because she's like so like supernaturally in love with this guy it's really hard to like look at it in a nuanced way i feel like but i don't know i also think that beyond that The writing of their, like, lust for each other is crazy.
1: (laughs) It, it is. The, it, it, we, I, I put in the outline, (laughs) we are purring and smirking all together too much. And snarling! We're snarling a lot as well. I put, you can flirt without describing the flirting if you can write dialogue. Like, Mm -hmm. we, we can understand that he's flirting without you writing that he's like, purring in her ear like yeah
0: ew. there's also a couple times when they're like flirting while they're flying and like on one page she'll write and the and the wind like roared in my ear and then on the next page he'll be like whispering in her ear and she, it's like so like sensitive and i'm like i feel like if you're flying through the air With no, like, windshield or anything to protect you. I do not think that you're going to be as turned on by someone, like, whispering in your ear. If you have, like, your face is being, like, blown into and, like, distorted by the wind.
1: I don't know. Well, and I also think with the flying, like, he, like, bridle carries her everywhere. I'm (laughs) sorry, that's not safe. (laughs) I think... I I also just think it, like, I don't know. I don't know if it would be, like, that sexy. Like, I think that I would like to fly, but I would not like to be carried around by someone flying. Yeah. Because they're also, like, she isn't, like, and then they, like, flapped their wings around and just, like, it, like, they don't have a jet engine, they have wings. Yeah, So they have to, like, fly, they have to, like, float around on the currents and, like, let updrafts, like, carry them upwards and just, like, generally I think it would be really fun to be the person flying, but I don't think it's, like, as sexy as she is, like, trying to make it sound for you to just get, like, carried around (laughs) bridal style, like, 500 (laughs) feet in the air. I don't know, I've been thinking about this, it just doesn't seem great.
0: For some reason, I was picturing that as not bridal carrying, but, like, you know when people skydive with another person, like, strapped to them? Like, you're, like, basically, like, stacked on top of each other, like That Lincoln would be logs. better. I, that I was be picturing it as Lincoln Logs and not bridal carry. And Lincoln Logs is not a good description because they don't get stacked right on top of each other. But, like, something that gets stacked right on top of each other. They... But that also makes it so that some of the, like, I was confused by them, like, looking into each other's eyes while they were flying because I was like, how is she, like, facing
1: him? Are Making they, long. like, doing missionary in the air? I am not sure if I, like, read this in a fanfic at something, some point or if it happens in the third book, but at one point I'm pretty sure they do fuck in the sky. Oh. Which, like, really doesn't make sense. If he has to focus on the air currents. Yeah. Like, they don't have jet engines. They cannot just sit in the sky. They're, it's not a hot air balloon. And also, like, like wouldn't, uh, I don't
0: know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about Logistically the not of that good. one. Yeah. Logistically <laughs> not
1: good. Do you just want to talk about, um, some of the other, like horny stuff that happens then we can talk about the like absolute mountain of plot that happens in the last hundred pages of this book
0: yes i think that would be good okay so the second third is really when all the sex happens
1: yeah that's true so talk about the end scene So they go to an inn. Resand can't use his magic because Hibern is, like, tracking him through it. It's very Harry Potter core. How you're, like, not allowed to say Voldemort's name. Yeah. Because then they can, like, find you. Um, and he... So they're out in the woods, and I don't remember why they're out in the woods. Oh, it's because she has to learn to use her magic. And so they're out in the Illyrian wilderness, and they get too close to the Springcourt border. And Lucian finds her. He just like smells her scent on the wind and finds the Spring her.
0: Spring court border.
1: How I don't know. But he's out there and I don't know how. I think
0: he finds her because he's been looking for her. I don't think that they're close because they're like on the opposite side. They're not side close of to the Frithian. Spring Court at all.
1: Oh, okay. No. I I've only read these on like ebooks and I You gotta look at
0: the map, girlfriend. I can't they're look on at opposite the, sides. I can't look
1: at the map. <laughs> but um Lucian finds her, and Farah basically like is like, "I'm not going with you. I don't like you. I don't like being there." I told him I was leaving, yeah. and Lucian tries to like steal her, and so like Resand transforms to hide his wings, and that is how the Hybern soldiers find them. But first, they have to stay in an inn that night because they fall in a river and they get really wet. And so they go to an inn and they're like shucking off wet clothing, which that's just like, I just have like a visceral reaction about shucking off like wet, cold clothing. I'm like, I was thinking about, are you thinking about, um, that tournament in Rockford? Yes. Our sophomore year of college. (laughs) So Jess and I went to this Frisbee tournament my sophomore year, her junior year. And it was in Rockford, Illinois, the worst city in the United States. And armpit of the nation. Armpit. And we got poured on all of Saturday. At one point on Saturday, I almost started crying in a spirit circle because a girl put her arm around me and it pressed my wet shirt against my back. Jess, <laughs> at one point went to the bathroom just to have a quick five minute cry and then came back and then came back outside. Like I have never in my life been so cold, so wet and so tired. Like we went back to the hotel, showered, changed. And then I like, we all went to Olive Garden as a team and I legitimately contemplated like getting up and going over to a corner and falling asleep. (laughs) Like I think about this all the time because I legitimately had to talk myself out of it. Yeah. Like, I was, like, sitting in a chair and I was thinking about how tired I was eating my $6 chicken and gnocchi soup. <laughs> unlimited. And was literally like, oh my god, that corner's kinda empty over there. Like, do you think anyone would get mad at me if I, like, went and sat and just, like, went to sleep over there? Oh my god. <laughs> like, oh, Going it was asleep, bad.
0: Face in the breadsticks.
1: Yeah, it um... was a bad time.
0: Yeah, I was also thinking about that, like, sense memory of, like, being so cold and wet, especially because, like, so many of the other places in Prithian are, like, spelled to be, like, perfectly temperate. Like, it's always spring in the spring court, and, like, there's a spell at Reese's house that makes it, like, always nice there, regardless of where you, like, regardless of being in the mountains. And so I'm like, she has not been cold this whole year. And now she is cold and wet. Pray for my girl. Like, it seems really... Like, it was described very well for, like, how awful it was. So I was really with her there. But yeah, they're, like, chucking off their wet clothing. And they're in and in. And guess what? There's only one
1: bed. And the ceiling is an A-frame. So, like, Resan's wings barely fit. It's also important that they're an A-frame and the ceilings are slanted. Because... He fingers her in the inn and is like, I've been thinking about this for months. And she's basically like, well, why don't, why won't you fuck me? And he was like, because I'm not having our first time be somewhere that I can't like take you against a wall, (laughs) which like, (laughs) you don't want your first time to be in a bed. Oh my God. Have you thought about a bed?
0: He doesn't want to fuck her tender at all.
1: (laughs) No. Uh Uh-uh, Mating Bond making him act fucking crazy. Yeah, yeah. But but... anyway, what I put in the outline is, right after this, he gets kidnapped by hybrid soldiers. They, like, shoot through his wings with a bunch of ash arrows. And then, like, put him in, like, magic handcuffs that make him so he can't (laughs) use his magic. And then they make two separate paths with his scent... And she finds him because she can smell her own pussy juice on his fingers!
0: <laughs> powerful! What a powerful bond! I think that's, honestly, good for Sarah J. Moss for writing that, because that's fucking crazy. <laughs> just, that occurred to her, and she was like,
1: and I'll put it in there, and I will put it in there. <laughs> I don't really – there's a couple of things that I find to be very cringe about the Sarah J. Moss books and kind of creepy. The idea that you can, like, smell arousal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then also, um, I hate that the fae are referred to, instead of as, like, men and women, as, like, males and females. I agree. I also hate that. It's That's just, like, a weird hill to die on. I'm not into yeah. it. Yeah, I
0: hard agree. It's strange, but I guess it like kind of makes sense because like men and women is like synonymous with like human, like um, like the children of man, the children of human. Like I guess that makes sense, but it feels like she like goes out of her way to like talk, especially like with Cassian and um Asriel. Like he, she always talks about them as the males, and I'm like. Ugh.
1: Well and like stop. it in later books and like Pharaoh after she like transitions to be high <laughs> fay like she'll like think woman and then she'll go oh female and like oh my really is like relearning how to speak but it's like man we really picked some like gendered fucking language to like have to practice what like not like dead speeceing <laughs> like, I don't know. Weird hill to die on. Like, I don't think Sarah J. Moss is, like, trying to make any sort of, like, trans statement here.
0: Like, yeah, I think she's just
1: being a weirdo.
0: It's, it is kind of strange. It's strange. But, other things about too many hands. So, they, I, it's part of the, like, magical bond of being mates that they, Like, it's, like, standard and normal to, like, be just, like, in a frenzy of sex. Like, you just, like, have sex for, like, a week straight. And if you can't, then you, like, lose your mind. Like, you, like, your temper is crazy, especially, like, the male's temper is crazy. and So they have a bunch of sex and, like, are really, uh, there's just, like. They're
1: really getting after it.
0: Yeah, there's, like, a chapter or two that's, like, just smut. And um, there's this one sex scene where it literally seems like he does have too many hands. Like, unless I was Hence reading it incorrectly. the name of the section. Yeah. I, I was like, wow. Tuck is so right. Because there are too many hands. <laughs>
1: because <laughs> there's a part where he,
0: like, like they're, like, in missionary or whatever. And then he, like, hoists her up. So she's, like, sitting up. And she's, like, upright. And he's grabbing her breast and also fing- fingering her. And I'm like, okay, hmm. How is he, like, holding her up? Like, I don't know. I just didn't understand the physics of it. And he was, I don't know. It, was, it felt very confusing. And also, there was, like, conversation about, like, ooh, there are some crazy positions you could get into the- with those wings.
1: Why not and- that makes things harder?
0: Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was like, wouldn't it make it harder to get, like, like, leverage? Right?
1: If you're, like, yeah. in the air? Yeah. I, I think it's really interesting because it kind of feels like people only have, like, preternatural strength when Sarah J. Moss wants them to. Yeah. Like, you're strong enough that you can, like, fuck any which way, whatever, but, like, Farah wasted a night away enough that her, like, cardio is too bad to, like, walk around the streets of Valeris. <laughs> but she can, like, punch through a brick chimney. Like, yeah. there is just a lot of inconsistency in this world that, like, you kind of have to, this is where skimming comes in handy. You're like, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. If, if and that's l- how it
1: works, okay.
0: And that's the, that's the thing about like some of the sex in this where I'm like, I think I'm like, I need to either be reading less hard or harder because I'm like, I can't, I don't understand how, like I'm, I'm not able to fully visualize what is happening here, but do I want to be visualizing what's happening here? Like what? What am I trying to get out of this chapter was a question that I kept asking myself. I was like, do I, do I want to fact check the fairy sex? Do I? Is that something that I want to, like, devote my one wild and precious life to? But I did, I did do a lot of, like, rereading to try and figure it out, and I was not able to.
1: Well, and also, like, we just need to, like, go back to the purring and smirking and snarling, like, I, uh, uh, how does like really I didn't realize with how much he was purring, and then I was like, how, <laughs> like, what am I supposed to be imagining here? Yeah, like, like she's trying to evoke, I think, like a really specific tone, and she's kind of just like failing to not make it weird.
0: I agree. I don't really. I think that, um, it's, I'm sure that this is going to be made into a TV show.
1: Oh, who and has was, the rights?
0: Yeah. And I was, like, thinking about what it would be like while I was reading. It was, like, kind of helping me visualize it. And there were certain scenes where I was like, oh, that is going to go crazy in a TV show. And certain scenes where I was like, how do the characters do that with their face like how does an actor show like they kept like hissing at their enemies and like doing a bunch of like are growling you just doing and that? snarling and i'm like how how are the actors going to do that
1: with their this human faces is cheesy it's <laughs> cheesy and like cheesy books make cheesy television
0: yeah my, I will, I will be eating this shit up when it comes out. I will be eating this shit up. We should watch it together so that we can. Oh.
1: Yes. Really. Yes. Cause,
0: cause it is, it has been really fun to read these knowing that I get to talk to you about them. Because it makes it, like, even when it's bad, it's good. Cause I get to talk to my friend about it.
1: You know? Well, and what if it's like, um, what if it's like Carnival Row?
0: Oh my god! <laughs>
1: <laughs> Guys, what, it's like, um, sh- what is like um season one of called? Carnival Row during what, what's, COVID?
0: What was the uh the show with the witches and the school?
1: Oh, oh, what was that called? Cut mm. camp? No, what was, what it, was called? it called?
0: It was like the witch, I'm going to okay, witch show. Freeform. um, Freeform. What is it called? Motherland Motherland, Fort Fort Salem. Salem. I was thinking it was Mother something, but then I
1: was like, I feel like that's wrong. But yeah, Motherland Fort Salem. Camp was getting me the right direction. Guys, Motherland Fort Salem, hands down, one of the worst television shows I've ever watched. But during COVID, (laughs) we were like... This is our weekly treat. We're getting to watch Motherland Fort Salem. And we're getting to watch Make It to Break It. This is amazing. Make it or break it. Make it or break it. Mm, My bad. Yeah. But
0: yeah, it was, it's so cheesy. I still quote it often. The who are we without our customs line, I say, like, probably once a month. Oh my god. (laughs) I think it's so funny. But anyway cheesy television it will be cheesy television um quickly since it's been an hour and 20 minutes describe the last bit of plot
1: and then i can make my
0: predictions
1: so they become mates and then they are like okay well we've figured all this stuff out we have all the stuff we need we're gonna go to highburn and we're gonna destroy the cauldron turns out they've been getting tangled in a spider's web and the king of highburn is there and they all get kidnapped into the throne room, Cassian's wings are shredded, the King of Hybern puts a spell on all of them to tamper their magic. And here's my question. Pause. If the King of Hybern is so fucking powerful, like, why isn't he already in Prithian? Like Yeah. If yeah. he's I just like this is very like Spider-Man villain, where mm-hmm. like there's like three Spider-Man villains, but they like only fight Spider-Man one at a time. Yeah. You know, like, you're not gonna just make go an alliance. over there. Yeah. Um. And then he makes an alliance with the six queens, and then they kidnapped Nesta and Elaine, and they turn them into High Fay, And Cassian's wings are shredded, but he's like trying to crawl across the throne room to Nessian. It's like to oh, that's their ship name to Nesta, and <laughs> <laughs> and it's like very evocative. And then, like, Farrah, like, can't hear Rhysand through the bond anymore. And then Tamlin's there. And Tamlin, and this is how it feels reading it. It's, like, that shocking amount of And then, uh, and then, uh. And then Tamlin gets there, and he's like, break the bond, please, break the bond. Even though they, like, smell the mating bond, which, ugh, why can you smell so many things? And they (laughs) smell the mating bond, and Tamlin's like, break the bond, she's mine. And then Highburn breaks the bond, and Farrah feels like her chest has been opened, basically, and Rysand feels the same, and they both react. And then Farrah is like, I don't want to be with Rysand. And she, like, fakes that she, like, wants to be with Tamlin, and then gets brought to the Spring Court. But we believe as the reader... I don't even think I got Encyclopedia Brown on this one, because when, when I reread it the second time, I was like, no, like, Sarah J Moss is going out of her way to hide what was broken. We find out that the bargain was broken, but the mating bond is still in, in place. Yeah. But she goes back to the spring court and is basically like, I'm the fox in the hen house. Yeah. I am here. I am going to fuck shit up. They just kidnapped the high lady of the night court, which she's the first high lady in Prithian's history. Big deal. Big deal. And I'm going to fuck shit up. And, like, we, like, flash over to to Rysand in the night court, and everyone is like, why aren't you freaking out? Why aren't you freaking out? And he, like, really, like, treasure cat, like, grins and is like, yeah. Because Farrah's about to fuck shit up in the Spring Court. And, like, that's how the book ends. Oh, and also Elaine and Nesta are made into High Fae. That's important. You already said that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Did you say that Tamlin, like,
0: sold them out for Farrah? Like, to get her back? No,
1: I didn't. But that is what he did.
0: Yeah, so he, like, allies with the King of Highburn. Basically, like, gives him... So the Spring Court is, like, the southernmost court. Like, in the map, it's, like, Spring Court, like, is across the entire border with the human realm. And then you have, like, the autumn and summer courts next to each other, winter courts up there, and then, like, you have the the solar courts up at top. So the Spring Court is, like, the only court that borders the human realm. And he, like, gives Highburn control over that area so that they can easily go to the human realm and to all of prithian so it's like a really important strategic area and tamlin like gives access to that in exchange just for pharaoh which i feel like is like so fucking dumb but he believes and the people on reddit like kind of made a good point where they're like they were like well tamlin really believes that reason is horrible like evil and cruel and also able to like control everyone's mind and knows that he like did the bargain with her against her will under the mountain and like does not believe that Feyre can read because she learns how to read when she's at the night court. And so when she sends a letter to him, it's like, I left of my own free will. Please don't try to find me. He like, why would he believe that she said that? Because she like couldn't read when she left him. So like that doesn't seem like it's actually her. So he believes that his, like, the love of his life is being held against his, against her will by, like, the most evil High Lord in Prithian. And so he's like, I'll do anything to get her back, including making a deal with the King of Highburn, which, like, is going way too far, because obviously he's gonna fuck the human realm up, and she would not want that, like- I feel like he, like, has a very, like, one-dimensional idea of, like, what love is, where he's, like, if she's with me, then everything's fine. It doesn't matter, like, what she wants or thinks is important. Like, obviously, she would not want the King of Hybird to have, like, access to the human lands or access to, like, anything like that. But he just wants her back, like, at whatever cost. And so he makes this deal. So it like sort of makes sense, but at the same time doesn't make sense. It definitely matches with his character. But then she like goes back and she's like,
1: I love you, Chamlin. And
0: Lucian does not believe her. He's
1: like, hmm. I have my eyes on you, you crazy bitch. Like, (laughs) yeah. But this is where Lucian and Elaine being mates. Which we find out, like, she, Elaine is made into a fae, and then Lucian, like, ah! yeah. like, from the other side of the room is like, that's my mate! And, like, that is really what has a chokehold on him. So right. I think that that, maybe that's the reason to force that mating bond, is because it's the only thing that makes, like, Lucian not immediately being like, have you thought about maybe the fact that we, like, shouldn't trust her? But she's, yeah. like, living in the night court for the last six months because Farah is his only chance to get to Elaine. Right. So, like... Yeah. That makes sense.
0: So, my predictions. We leave it off with Elaine and Nesta, who are recently made into Haifei, are with Reese's inner circle in the night court. They, like, winnow back, which winnowing is just, like, teleporting. And so they winnow back, and Reese is, like... I know that she is going to be a spy and it's fine. And so she's being a spy and she's back at the spring court and Lucien doesn't believe her. My first prediction is I think Lucien is going to grow a backbone and I think that he is going to like be an antagonist to Farrah at the beginning of the book. But then they're going to like become allies later to protect Elaine or like to get to Elaine I hope Lucian turns on Tamlin. I don't know whether that's going to happen for sure, but I do think that they will, like, have some sort of, like, alliance. Um, My second prediction is that we're going to see more of the other courts finally because we saw some of the Summer Court, but we didn't see basically any of the other ones. And I said I wish that I could say that I would predict that Reese would come out as not an asshole to, so like, the other High Lords and get some allies. But I don't know if he a- actually will, because I feel like Sarah J Maas is kind of like loves the narrative of like he is a villain in the eyes of the world, but he's nice to his inner circle and his people. Like, I think that she's really like addicted to that vibe. So I don't know if that's going to happen, but I hope that that happens. And then um Yanthe is going to come back. And Miriam's going to come back and Jurian's going to be a big deal because he was resurrected. Um, I think that Tamlin has been written off, like not like written out of the books, but like I don't think that he's going to get a redemption arc unless something crazy happens. But I feel like he kind of has been like made very one dimensional or I think he will be made very one dimensional. and you're really going to have just, like, a bunch of... I mean, I'm sure that Nesta and Elaine are going to have a bigger role, which is going to be fun. But, yeah. I don't really know what's going to happen, though. I feel like all of those are just kind of, like, really obvious predictions. I felt more, like, adamant that I knew what was going to happen in A Court of Mist and Fury. And what is the next one called? Wings and Ruin, right? Yeah. Yeah, I I feel kind of, like... I don't know what's going to happen, but I am going to pick up that book with the quickness because as much as I hate to say it, I think I have to turn in my hater card. I am hooked.
1: (laughs) It hooks you. Like, you're kind of like, okay, I just, I, this is, this is the example of, like, why Sarah J. Moss is so popular is you're like, okay, is the writing that good? No. But, like, is the plot that I... The bones are so good in all of these books. Like, even Colleen Hoover has the bones, but she just, like, is not writing very well. Yeah. There is... Oh, I have a Goodreads review to read you. Um, let's see. Let's see. This is a... Oh, this is very long. This is a two-star review. Um... Let's see. People purr. Normal cats, thank God, ordinarily talk like freaking civilized being. The first time Rysand and Fair have sex and he climaxes, the mountains tremble. I refuse to comment on this thing, and if it was me who had written such embarrassing idiocy, I would be hiding my head under the sand. moreover all the sex scenes are very cheesy dramatic and overridden okay well that's just smut you just don't like smut yeah like all smut is that cheesy dramatic and overridden however i forgot that the mountains literally do tremble when he like comes that's gross yeah (laughs) i feel like you don't that's not
0: necessary like what does that add Anyway, go ahead.
1: I've never been this manipulated in my life. I was stripped of my free will until there was only a shell left behind, a puppet complying with her master's whim. This is the most (laughs) vulgar thing Sarah J. Moss could do.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's how I feel. Me showing up to the library to pick up a Court of Wings and ruin. (laughs) Like, I am being held against my will. Give me the book. Tucker and I are, uh, we actually have our cameras on, and she just, like, made, uh, like, mimed a, like, handcuff thing. It was like, give it to me. (laughs) This is an audio medium. I've always wanted to say that. I listen to so many podcasts, and I feel like I'm always hearing Michael Barbaro be like, you're making a face. This is an audio medium. Maybe Michael Michael Barbaro doesn't say that. Michael Hobbs from *You're Wrong About* and *Maintenance Phase* does say that, and I've always wanted to say it out loud, and now I finally can.
1: Oh, this is so interesting! Five-star review. She wrote in 2018, probably one of the most game-changing books I have ever read. My love for Reese and might my- usurp my love for Warner. Oh wait update january twenty eighteen never mind l o l and then reread in twenty twenty two I've typed and deleted this review for the past ten minutes. It's hard to review this book in a way that doesn't give too much credit to Sarah J. Moss because I cannot emphasize how deeply troubled I am by her massive fame, despite her problematic stances. All I can say is that I'm troubled by how much I enjoyed it. What are her problematic stances? I don't know. We could talk about
0: that in Compcon.
1: We can gonna Google Sarah <laughs> J Moss problematic. <laughs> <laughs> this is a really good This is a really good example of um this feels like the topia episode of like asking the dumb questions where they're literally just like, We're just gonna Google some stuff about rabies. Let's see what we yeah. do. Like, yeah. I feel like this is actually a really good example of the fact that, like, not everyone should have a podcast, because literally anyone can just Google someone problematic.
0: Yeah. Jessica Tiller, problematic.
1: Here we go. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think Um, that you're on Rate My Professor? No, I've checked. I'm not. Um, no, but there's a book about George Tiller written by someone named Jessica. Jessica. Mm. So that's mostly what they're trying to show me.
0: Okay. That makes sense. Is it, like, a hate book? Is it, like, a pro-life?
1: Or is it
0: more like a, here's the story of him being assassinated? It's
1: from a website titled Abortion, Every Day. (laughs) oh wait there's a comma in the website yeah which could really either really go either way
0: yeah like it's just like abortions are happening every day and i and i'm neutral about that
1: (laughs) they are i think this is a pro-abortion yeah it's about um conservatives gaslighting gaslighting women.
0: Hmm. I, heard. I think Tamlin is a Republican. And I Reese also think Democrat. Tamlin is
1: a Republican. Anyone- I mean, there are lots of Democrats who don't respect women, but, like... Mm, mm,
0: mm. I- As soon as the tithe thing was happening, Taxation! I was like, this is interesting, this is a Republican, and not because Republicans like taxes, but because they, like, are obsessed with having people who don't have any money pay people who have a lot of money.
1: Yeah, I I see that. Like, so, where is all of Tamlin's money going? And can't he just make more? Like, what's gonna... Not to be like, why can't we just print more money? But, like, <laughs> does inflation really exist in Prithian? There's, like, probably a gold standard, so...
0: Like, I don't, I don't really, I want to know the economics of Prithian. One thing that I really love about The Name of the Wind, which I mentioned last podcast too, is that it's a magical world with wizards, etc. that has like a, a currency system and like is really like concerned about the like economics of it all. And I find that really interesting. Like, it's obviously not super like adam smith about it like it's not like in into detail but it does kind of like it doesn't ignore or like hand wave away the questions of like how are they paying for all this who how how does this work is this like a feudal system because it's pseudo medieval or what's going on and I felt like Sarah J. Moss was about to do that with the tithe, but then she just was like, "And then Reese doesn't have his, it doesn't have his subjects pay one, and it's just fine." And I don't really know how that works, but I guess we're meant to be kind of seeing Tamlin as a bad guy for collecting taxes. Um the the controversy around Sarah J. Moss.
1: Yes, that's that's reading for CompCon. But it touches a little bit on what I talked about the first week, which was like, wow, we're just going to have entirely white people in our stories. Great.
0: Yeah. Hmm. Okay.
1: This has been All My Friends Are English Majors. We're going to talk about A Court of Wings and Ruin next week. And then we'll do CompCon and we'll talk about all the problematic things this white woman has done. Classic. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's see. Follow us on Instagram at English Majors Pod. Write us an email at Pod at gmail.com. Write a review. Give us five stars on Spotify. And I think that's it. Yeah. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.